as one clean vessel it often says. What is all this? <laughs> and he encouraged uh, his students to ask that question all the time. Giving just a, what is all this? Mm -hmm. What is all this? What is all this? There's a, a story which is always offered by one of the old monks or nuns in the monastery to the new ones. And he or she gathers the new ones in the courtyard or the tea room after evening practice. And they sit down and they know that their teacher is going to be giving them some guidance. Often telling stories, telling stories about his own time or her own time to me. So if one may, you may have heard before, I used to always tell it at the beginning of the meditation course. I had not been teaching it for about 10 years, so it might have gone extinct. <laughs> but it's still in our tradition, and it's that he says, or she says, you know, there's a story of a turtle swimming in the ocean, and it's a blind turtle. And it's swimming, swimming, swimming. It's looking for a log which has a hole in it so it can pull itself up. Have you ever seen how turtles often rest on logs? If you're going along the Huron River, there's a walkway and you can look off the walkway down into the river and often see turtles sunning and resting on logs. So this particular turtle, swimming and swimming, looking for that. And in the vast ocean, the old one or the old one say, it's very, very rare that that turtle would find a log with a hole in it and be able to pull itself up. And then the old monk or nun would say, equally rare is it for you to be alive and to have a human birth. And also, even more rare to have come to encounter the Dharma. And so he or she would say, you must not take for granted this precious life that you have. So I'm passing it on. There's a lot of people doing a lot of other things this morning or this week. 
some reason, the process of cause and effect, here you are. Here you are again. And again. It's been years for some of you. So I'm encouraging you. And me too, here I am again and again. <laughs> so it makes a difference when we don't take this human body that we have that's relatively well and this dharma that we're coming across that's relatively challenging. Instead, we allow ourselves to realize what a privilege we have and to go for it. So once again, welcome into Nikanji. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, you have energy. Yeah. It's true. So, what is all this? What is all this? The Buddhist teachings are never mere theories. They always stand to reason and to, can be verified by our own first-hand experience. We always say, don't take any of this just because the Buddha said it or Haji said it, or anybody said it, you have to put it to your own crucible and see if it indeed is worthy. In fact, the Dalai Lama, it's interesting, he said that, you know, he, the Dalai Lama has a lot of faith in science, and he once said that, you know, if science proves some Buddhist thing wrong, we better believe science. So that, in other words, most of our, the law, the jhana, can be scientifically proven. <laughs> yeah. What a relief, eh? But it's nothing if you just keep it in your head and you do not have a, a, a first-hand experience with it. If you do that, then you can take it wherever you go. If you don't do that, you're just a talking head or a thinking one. Okay, so um, this morning, uh, I'm holding out from here. I would like to offer uh, some dharma, uh, a little bit that I've been doing some research on, and then some stories. And particularly to do uh, with the Dhammapada reading today, all virtue lies in detachment one of the lines. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. okay. So in Buddhism, we say virtue is uh, ethical and moral guidelines. So I like to review these with you because they unfold in a way to some of the teachings for today. So would you um, just compose yourself a little so that as you listen, you can let this 
These are called the ten bodhisattva precepts. It's a virtue. So going back to that word, all virtue lies in attachment, and then we'll look at attachment. Do number one. Do not harm, but serve all life. Thereby nourishing your seed of compassion to go forth on the Bodhisattva path. Two, do not take what is not given but respect the things of others, thereby nourishing your seed of virtue to go forth on the Bodhisattva path. Three, do not engage in sexual misconduct, but practice purity of mind and self-restraint, thereby nourishing your seed of purity to go forward on the Bodhisattva path. Four, do not lie, but speak the truth, thereby nourishing your seed of truth to go forward on the Bodhisattva path. Five, do not involve yourself in the trade of liquors and drugs, nor the production of weapons and arms, which confuse and weaken the mind and cause harm. But keep the mind calm and clear, thus nourishing your seed of wisdom to go forward on the Bodhisattva path. Six, do not speak of the misdeeds of others, but try to understand them with sympathy. thereby nourishing your seed of friendship to go forward on the Bodhisattva path. Seven, do not praise yourself nor condemn others. <coughs> thereby nourishing your seed of respect to go forward on the Bodhisattva path.
8. Do not withhold your aid, material and spiritual, but give freely of yours wherever there is need, thereby nourishing your seed of wealth and generosity to go forward on the Bodhisattva path. Nine, do not get angry, but be forgiving, thereby nourishing your seed of happiness to go forward on the Bodhisattva path. And 10, do not revile the three ratna, Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, but uphold them thereby nourishing your seed of faith to go forward on the Bodhisattva path. one of those seeds of nourishing do you remember from those 10 seeds that we just went through? Your art with other truth. So the seed of truth. Mm -hmm. This is a review for everybody too. Yes. Don't take or ignore it. Can you remember the seed that's being nourished by that time? Mm. Virtue. Yeah. 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 And what seed? Purity. Purity. Seed of purity. Yes. not to harm, but to cherish our life, nourishing seed of compassion. Yes, Andrea. Do not be angry, nourish your seed of happiness. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness. I think there's a couple more. Yes. Seed of respect. <laughs> yes, what was that? Um, oh, not completely of respect. Well, don't praise yourself. Yeah. Was there any other one? Not to own firearms, so not to be some firearms. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And that was also the, the seed of wisdom. There's 
Just one more. Of the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha? Of other people, to not speak poorly of other people. Yeah. What to say to Maharishi Mani like that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or it could be friendship even, that, you know. Faith, which is to not revile the three ratnas, yeah. but you know, to uphold them, Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, and uh, uphold and Rishi's faith. Now, one of the reasons um, I had a uh, a walk with uh, one of our members, just a very short one, only about two or three minutes, and I asked her, you know. What did you learn? And she said, I learned that it's about this positive kind of approach to things. And it really makes me so happy. And I really uh, appreciated uh, what she shared because it's really easy to think of the don't do this and don't do that and, don't, and really get all kind of trying to solve the don't instead of looking at the nourishing of the respect, of the friendship. And remember those seeds to water, as Thich Nhat Hanh would say. Yeah. So to my notes a little bit. Yeah. So desire, which this reading has asked us to leave behind, uh, is related to craving, and craving is related to clinging. And there are four ways of clinging or desiring, there are four big categories. Clinging to sense pleasures, pleasures of the ear, the tongue, the eye, the nose, the skin, and the mind. Clinging to wrong views. Usually those are just our uninvestigated kind of ways that we get to thinking about things. Clinging to wrong views. So letting go of this clinging to sense pleasures and letting go of clinging to wrong views. And then the third is clinging to rites and rituals. R-I-T-E-S, but I guess it could be R-I-G-H-T-S. <laughs> Where, and you might think, oh, well, that just happens at the temple, all the rites and rituals. But in, in a sense, these kind of things happen in your everyday life. You get stuck mm -hmm. on, on some certain, my way or the highway. And it's hard to see beyond that. So. Letting, releasing our clinging to rites and rituals. So clinging to sense pleasures, clinging to wrong views, to rites and rituals, and then clinging to a doctrine of a solid self. This is often the most tenacious form of clinging <laughs> and desire. Me, my way, just that. And so we're 
the Buddha in this reading is saying, you know, let that go. Open the eye to see what's beyond. It takes a little bit of courage. And it can be looked at in terms of what seeds we water, wholesome ones or unwholesome ones. In our Buddhist tradition, we say there are several levels of consciousness, one to do with each of the senses, and then there's the alaya consciousness or store consciousness, where within this consciousness, which interpenetrates the other sense consciousness, are what are called bijas, B-I-J-A. And bijas are kind of little patterns, mental factors they're called. So there's wholesome ones and there's unwholesome ones, and I'll give you some examples. Uh, unwholesome, unhappiness, anger, discrimination, delusion, envy, selfishness, worry, doubt, greed, and more. Altogether, there's 52 wholesome mental factors. Joy, happiness, love, loyalty, reconciliation, confidence, faith, energy, concentration, wisdom, goodwill, loving-kindness, equanimity, compassion, sympathetic joy. And if you look into the Abhidharma, you will find all the 52. So it's a mix of wholesome and unwholesome. And so the practice is to emphasize the wholesome and not water the unwholesome. And sometimes we think in solving things, well, if we really get into the unwholesome, that will do it. And maybe sometimes it will, but a lot of times it's dragged out and it doesn't give us much opportunity to be a little more joyful than that. And that the fact that the, the positive offspring begins to overshadow. The wholesome overshadows the unwholesome. So the Buddha gave us some guidelines to emphasize the wholesome, and they are called the four right efforts. The first one, prevent, prevent the arising of unarisen, unarisen, unwholesome thoughts. The second one is to abandon, so the first one is prevent, and then if wholesome thoughts do arise, let them go, abandon, overshift. The third is to produce the more wholesome thoughts that may not yet have arisen. And the fourth is to maintain the wholesome thoughts that have arisen and are already functioning. So you can see the prevention, the abandoning, the producing, and the maintaining. So continually watering the wholesome seeds. And the first line of work with that is the constant practice of mindfulness. So it might even be something like, what is all this? Right in the moment, you know, before it escalates 
into uh, already established kind of thing. So mindfulness, and usually things arise in our body and in our mind before they're actually right in our face. And so mindfulness will help us to discover and breathe and release at an early stage. And then if mindfulness is not enough, also in the tradition, the Buddha says, give attention to something more wholesome. Just turn, metaphorically speaking, to something more wholesome. It could be something in the mind, it could be something in the way of speech. I did a poor job of that the other day, some really stuff I thought about it, and then it came out, and then it was too late. I didn't touch it. The next one is to reflect on the, on the danger of unwholesome thoughts. So the first one is, you know, is to give attention to something different, and then sometimes we think, if I keep being jealous like this, or if I keep being angry like this, what's going to happen? Mainly, I'm going to become Mr. or Mrs. Jealous, jealousy or anger. If we think of it in that way, then it's a little motivation to change speed. The third thing is, just try not to give any attention to the unwholesome stuff that comes up. And it's interesting, the Buddha said, you know, if all else fails, grit your teeth. Put your tongue on your, the back of them and just do something else. And sometimes we say, we have to leave the room right now. Or I just have to shut down my computer right now. Mm -hmm. Or I have to say goodbye right now. Yeah. And I think that um, the Buddha, in many places in the Pali scriptures, talks about uh, how to work with, for instance, ill will. Uh, over and over he say, work with loving kindness practice if you feel ill will. And if you feel yourself with a streak of cruelty, and I never thought of it that way, it's because sometimes I've been there and I'll say something and it's really cruel. The counter-practice is compassion. And if you have a kind of envy, jealousy, aversion, or boredom, sympathetic joy. Practice of it. And then for those with lust and greed, equanimity. I'm saying all these, it's a really lot to take in. So. Buddha only points the way. We have to delve in to this and see for ourselves and by this practice, what is this? What is this? What is this? And then you can Google almost anything and find some very good stuff in response and begin to study it and begin to be fascinated by it. Isn't it wonderful to find something that sort of articulates just what you've been wanting to learn about. It is you who must do the work. 
The Buddha only points the way. I like um, just one that comes in the scriptures. It says, for those with wavering confidence, Um, the, the Buddha prescribes meditation on the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And um, lots of times, you know, when I, like this with this one, I think, how would that work? I mean, it's, I don't know. It doesn't make sense right away to me. So what I've found is that I have to try it for a while. That's happened in a lot of cases. I feel like over the years, the meditation that I've learned, I've been given the guidelines and told to do this and that. And it all just is obtuse to me sometimes. But then I say, OK, let me have trust in this. Let me put my faith in it and work with it to see for myself. Because Buddhism, another name for Buddhism, I guess, see for yourself. Okay, so um, as you're going through this process, and many of you have taken the Buddhist precepts, and this Today there's going to be an orientation. If you're interested in taking the precepts, working with these guidelines, working on nourishing the wholesome seed, which is going to be a lifetime of practice. It's not that just, oh, you come and you do a few things and that's it. No, it's always unfolding. And it becomes the raison d'etre for being is this unfolding of our growth as human beings, of our capacity. It's not always easy. And meditation is one of the bottom lines along with this, the teaching. So besides the opportunity, and Mosamsam, could you put your hand up? Mosamsam is one of our Dharma guardians, and she's been helping Marumi and all of us uh, with the uh, precept training and the precept meetings that are going to be starting to take place. And she's going to do an orientation this morning to it for any of you who might be interested in formally kind of taking this on. It's all very well, you know, say, well, that's not pretty good, that's pretty good. But this is the offering a little step beyond that. And then this coming week, we are starting our spring Yangnam Jongjin, which is uh, an intensive meditation retreat and there is nothing like the kind of work that you can do with your mind during a retreat. It's wonderful if you're meditating regularly right now. It's really huge kind of um, rhythm to have in your life, one of the most important. If you really want to nourish that, then doing some retreats, and you start on Wednesday night, and you go through Sunday morning at 9. And you can come for a part-time, or a long time, the whole time. Would you please consider it? 
I'm sure that I could ask for testimonies about people who've gone to retreat for a mill say. Yeah, yeah, I can see there's some nods around. We have a, our oldest member, he's even older than me, coming from Lorien, most likely. He calls himself an old skin bag. Because <laughs> that's a, 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 a saying in the tradition, that we're all old skin bags, you know? This bag of skin. And to him, doing a young and drunken is the most important thing. And we have some people coming from our Chicago temple, and uh, some folks from local. So please consider it's an opportunity to sit longer than usual. There will be Dharma talks. There will be opportunities for one-on-one -on -one about your meditation practice. And best of all, there will be other people with you who will inspire you more than you can imagine. That's the way it is with good things. If you're doing a good thing, it can be very inspiring, no matter where it is, to others around you. Yeah. Okay, let's see what we're doing for time. Wow, I had all these stories. <laughs> I like stories the most, but let me <laughs> see which one might be good. Well, I'm going to tell you two because they're kind of short. One is that almost every day, though not so much like that lately, I talk with my older daughter on the phone. And the question I always ask her is, how are my grandchildren? How is Eve doing? Tell me stories. How is Finn doing? Tell me stories. How are you doing? Tell me stories. Because I'm kind of very enthusiastic about storytelling. And so I usually walk and I listen and I'm really happy to hear about my grandchildren most of the time. Yeah. The other day, and so I usually listen the whole time, except for the questions. And my daughter is, uh, so the other day I talked to her, the last time I talked to her, I said, you know, I have a question for you. I said, I'm having this uh, situation, and it's, I don't know how to deal with it. Could you please help me? Hmm. And, oh my gosh, she was really good. <laughs> it made me want to just always ask her, you know, I'm having this issue. Could you please give me some perspective on it? You know, it's like having the shoe on the other foot, and how wonderful to kind of switch things around so that I'm not clinging to a certain way that our relationship is and just keeping like that, switching. And then I think, maybe she got some of it from me. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. It's really been her, her own tough and challenging journey. Okay, so the next story is that just before I came over here, I was sitting on the toilet. You know, if you listened to Dr. Lou last week, he said, you know, it's really important to poop, and you've got to do it <laughs> twice a day. And, and, and 
so when uh, here I'm coming over and I think, oh God, I think I, I really I better better poop. Yeah. And in the middle of the poop, the knocking on the door. And uh, I'm working on. I ha before I was pooping, I was working on this. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so uh, it's one of our residents, and uh, he said, "Can I talk to you now?" <laughs> and I really, um, I really want to talk with him because we need to get some things sort of in more in harmony. And I hate, you know, I. I had to really set a boundary at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> I have these two things that I have to do. You know, I want to finish the talk and, and the poop. <laughs> so as we sort of get immersed in our dharma, we, and in this life of, what's going on? What is all this? What is all this? We learn to see things clearly, and what you know, sometimes to just know. And sometimes, yeah. And sometimes, well, what do you think, honey? Can you help me with this? Yeah. Sometimes I think it's why this tradition is called the crazy wisdom tradition. Because it's kind of about turning things a little upside down in a beautiful way for the benefit of everyone. So to finish, brothers, sisters, friends, if nothing else, please keep asking, what is all this? What is all this? What is all this? Amen. Mm -hmm. <laughs>